Last week, I started a two-part series while Pastor Alan was away on We Are the Church. I think it's important for us to continually remember that we are the church. We are so much more than just a building. The people of God are the church. And last week, we looked at quickly being the hands of hands and feet of Jesus about thinking of others more than just we think about thinking about ourselves and then looking for opportunity to lead others practically being the hands and feet of Jesus you know when Jesus was on earth he gave us a new way of thinking a new way to interact with God and people. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and with all your heart. And he said, Love your neighbor as yourself. He said that these were the two greatest commandments. I believe that when we obey the first, the second should come naturally. When we love God with our whole being, we begin to see all of mankind created by God and inherently valued by God. As we see God's desire to to see his creation reconciled, we can join in as a church, as the church, in Operation Rescue. Today, we're going to touch on two Two things I believe that the church is called to do. And as I mentioned last week, there's infinite amounts of things we could go through. But these are two things that are, are really were on my heart to, to share as to look at the church and what we are called to do. So first, as a church, we are called to give rest for the weary. Give rest to the weary. Matthew 11 18 Sorry, Matthew 11:28 says come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus calls all who are weary to come to him to find rest. Such a different way of thinking. As people, we get so caught up in, in busyness and strife. We're striving to, to get somewhere And sometimes we don't even know where we're going. We get busier and busier. We try to do all the right things. We try to gain acceptance. We in the church, we get caught up in the rat race of busyness. We get caught up doing the same things that the rest of the world is doing. So much needs to be done. There's children's ministries, there's youth ministries, there's 
women's ministry. There's all people need to be, as I said last week, we need leaders, but there's so few to do it. And we wear people out. And when we are worn out, it's so easy to fall. If we came together and worked together, that weariness would be a whole lot less likely to happen. Worn and weary people need rest. It seems obvious, but it happens far too often that we're not getting the rest we need. And in the church, it seems like, not specifically our church, but the church in general, people are told when they're weary, oh, do this, it'll be better. Do that, it'll be better. We just need to, you know, you go through this program, go through that program. But Jesus says, just come to him. You know, in the messiness, when the messiness hits our lives, we push people away who are weary and need the most help. We see messy lives and we don't want anything to do with them. And yet, those are the people that Jesus came closest to. Those are the people that needed Jesus the most. When lives get messy, that's when we need Jesus so much more. Isn't it? Here's a revolutionary idea for me. As a church, those who are hurt, those who are weary, those who are caught in sin, Welcome them in instead of pushing them out. Walk alongside them, pointing them to Jesus. Jesus doesn't require them to do more, so why do we? John chapter 8, verses 2 to 11. At dawn, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of in." The law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this, this question to tra- as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Seems like an odd time to start writing in the sand. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman. Still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one 
condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Here we have a woman caught in adultery that's brought before Jesus. You know, something that's always stuck out in my mind in this, in this story, in this account in the, of this situation is, where's the man in this situation? Why was just the woman brought before, before Jesus? It, always, it takes two in this type of sin. Both of them were guilty of sin, and yet they just brought the woman. It kind of bugs me. You know, it's a messy situation. And it's so easy to point fingers at at others or take one side. But it's important to see the whole picture. The The Pharisees bring this woman and want to see what Jesus will do to her. Well, we'll find some loophole to attack Jesus here. And what's your consequence? Because according to them, they should all start taking big stones and throw them at her until she's no longer. After all, she sinned and she needs to be punished. She needs to be put in her place. That was the Pharisees' mentality. This woman is totally at Jesus' mercy. And totally at her accuser's mercy. The shame would have been incredible to be brought in the courts and just thrown there. I can't even imagine what she would have been going through. Head hung down, completely defeated because she's been caught by the legalistic but now brought before this one who is loving of all, but really she's probably not thinking she deserves any love because of what she's been guilty of. Jesus, when asked what what should be done, he bends down and starts writing in the sand. Like I said, kind of an odd time to start writing in the sand. And then when pressed, what, you know, I kind of wonder what, what was it written that he was writing in the sand? You know, some, you know, you might imagine that he's writing the details of what should be done to her, like, or what she should do to make up for the wrong she's done. You know, we don't actually know what Jesus wrote in the sand there, in the dirt you know, he tells them. Um, he tells them that if they have no sin, to start casting stones at the woman, and then he writes more in the dirt. And then they slowly walk away, oldest to youngest. You know, I kind of think, and I it's obviously, like I said, it's not written what Jesus wrote, but I kind of wonder: Did Jesus write in? in there what they were guilty of too, these Pharisees? That, and they, when they seen that, they realized, oh, you know what? Maybe we're the ones who are guilty and might have these stones thrown at us. 
So they walked away slowly one at a time. That they were all on a level playing field. They've all done, they've all sinned. We've all sinned. Different types of sin, but sinned all the same. You know, Jesus didn't forget about this, the sin that this woman committed. But he also doesn't give her this list of things that, he, that she needs to do to make up for what she's done. He simply says, go and sin no more. Go and leave this life of sin that you've had and start over again. Hit the reset button. You know, when those who are weary, they don't need this list of, oh, you, well, go to the, do this, this, and this. Go to this help group, you know. They just need people walk alongside them and keep pointing them to Jesus. In our church, for those who are weary and fallen, uh, fallen from the point, if they've fallen from Jesus, point them back to Jesus. If they're just struggling from the day to day, to just come alongside, walk alongside with them. Even just a simple, you know, come alongside and pray with them. Give them an encouragement Bible verse. Simple things to point them back. Them. Greet them with the love and grace of God. Our church, the church, it should be the safest place for those who are hurting, not a place of condemnation. People should be able to come in here and people... I've, I've known churches where people who are uh, are struggling in sin and they walk through the doors and people start whispering about them right away. There should be a place, a safe harbor, a hospital that those who are hurting the most could receive the care they need. Rescue those who are weary and welcome them back into the fold, giving them a place to rest without condemnation, or more work on them. Let them come as they are. Let God's Holy Spirit transform them into who he wants them to be. For those of you who are familiar with the story of the, the prodigal son, the father welcomes back his weary, bruised, and battered son. His son who wanted to come back and just be a servant because he figured he didn't deserve any more. And his father welcomed him back with opened arms and celebrated him. Let's do the same. Not only give rest to the weary, but also as a church, we need to give hope to the lost. Can you just go to that next slide there? One more. Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek the lost. And he passed that mission on to us today. That mission hasn't stopped. A dear... um, college professor of mine who's now with Jesus, uh, he, he had a passion for the lost. But he used to always say, 
You need to get them lost before you can get them found, before they can be found. Sometimes we don't realize how lost we are in need of Jesus. And we need that light shone on us, that encouragement, that the realization of where we are in life and how much we need Jesus. I think as friends we, of all of us in this building right now, we're very aware that there is a world out there, that this building that is in need of Jesus. John 14, 6 tells us, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way to heaven, and Jesus has provided it. His death on the cross has opened up the door so that we can be reconciled with God. And we've, we have that relationship with Jesus. We have the best-kept secret, but it, doesn't, it shouldn't be a secret. I'm sure we know the responsibility we have to share the good news with the world and you know what? It's got to start right here in Troshu. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8 you know, and I, that doesn't say Troshu in it, but you can put Troshu in for Jerusalem because that's where they were starting out. And you are in Troshu, and this is your mission field right now. Let's work on Troshu. Let's take care of sharing the good news to the rest of Troshu. And then we can move out to Nihil County and, you know, Alberta and, and so on. But, you know, let's start where we are because all of us have friends who need Jesus. You know, I, I think that often either people don't realize that they are lost. You know, especially I, I hear this of men, and, and I'm probably guilty of this. And when I've been lost, you know, it doesn't happen as often because I have um, Google Maps. But even yesterday I was driving in Bread Creek to a wedding, and for a little while the Google Maps would tell me that I was driving in a, a river and then over a mountain, and I didn't really know where I was. And I could have very easily been lost. And sometimes it's so, we don't want to admit that we're lost or that we don't realize how lost we are and how much we need help. Sometimes those who are around us, they can't see how lost they are. You might, but they need that encouragement to see the truth. In the realization that when when you realize you're lost, especially if, you know, it's one thing if you're driving and you're lost, that's, you know, you kind of find your way back. But if you're hiking and you're lost, you know, it, it gets really paralyzing. You lose hope. You lose focus and you don't know really what to do. As the church, we get to spread light to people's lives. That they can go, that they can see God, and need and their need of a savior. Matthew five sixteen. In the same way, let your light shine before others, 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5.16 That let your light shine, that they could see who God is, that they could see how great your God is, that how can they see in your life what's different, that they could point say, hey, I want that too. You know, I, I guess I have to ask, has Jesus given you hope? If so, does your life show it? Does he, the people you, you encounter, do your friends, the people you, you walk with and rub shoulders in the day-to-day, can they see that there's something different about your life? Is that desirable from what, what they see? You just go to the next slide, Kevin. A.W. Tozer said, It's my belief that the problem with society, with society is turning away from God. Um, the problem with the church is that we are too often following society. We must repent, and that repentance must begin with me. We need to live a different life, not the same as the world, that they could see something different in us. That they would, it would make sense. They wouldn't make sense, really. It, would, it makes sense to us, but it wouldn't make sense to the rest of the world. And it's like, wow, that God you serve must really be worthy. And then there's eternity. As some have told me, eternity is a long time. A number of years ago, my pastor from my home church was working with another pastor from the Worldwide Church of God. And at the time, the Worldwide Church of God was going through uh, a split because the Worldwide Church of God was a cult. And they, there was a, a split from it that was seeing the truth of who Jesus was. And they really wanted to, to follow the gospel and what the, God had laid out in the Word of God. But this pastor was really struggling with the idea of, of hell, he didn't know if he could accept the fact that there'd be people in a Christless eternity. It just really um, bothered him. And he, he asked my pastor, he said, if you really believe in a Christless eternity, that people are going to face an eternity without Jesus, this makes people nervous when we talk about an eternity without Jesus. But he said, if you really believe on that, why wouldn't you be on a street corner every single moment you have and sharing God's goodness that they wouldn't face that? You know, that's really hit my pastor and he really struggled with it because it is a reality. But it's a reality of the urgency we have to share um, the hope that we have. And then the other side of eternity, this coin of eternity, is that do you really believe heaven will be amazing? That we will be able to enjoy God forever? Amazing enough to share with others? You know, we share all sorts of products with our friends that have been great for us. Now share Jesus. Because isn't he more in, infinitely valuable than anything we else could have experienced? 1 Peter 
but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. We've been given such a hope to share. Let us live in such a way that people would see that hope. So I have some friends who, they lived in this area for a number of years, and they they were in ministry, and they they retired to the Okanagan. Now, who wouldn't want to retire to the Okanagan? You know, warmer uh, warmer winters and milder winters, and just beautiful where they retired. But they didn't really retire. They they couldn't help but share Jesus with their neighbors. They they would encourage them and and have Bible studies for those who wanted them. And there was one of their neighbors, a couple, who came to know Jesus. And my friends, they mentored them, encouraged them, and these people started coming to church. And they seen the need that others had for Jesus. And, you know, as they prayed and thought, God, we need to go and share this too. This couple had moved from Dawson Creek down to um, the Okanagan to retire. You know, they leave the cold and come down to where it's warmer. And, but their family was still up in Dawson Creek. And God put it on their heart, and they responded. They sold their home, and they moved back to Dawson Creek because they said, our family needs to know about Jesus. Our family is lost, and they need that hope that we've now been given. They left all they had to share Jesus. Operation Rescue is what the church is called to. To give rest to the weary, to build up the saints, don't beat them down, and to give hope to the lost. You carry the most important message that anyone could ever have. Don't keep it to yourselves. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for today. Again, I pray that anything that's of you would just stick to my friends' uh, hearts and minds. And I pray anything that is not, that would fade away. God, we pray that we be a, a welcoming place, that we be a hospital. We would welcome the weary to build them up and strengthen them and point them back to you, Jesus. Point them back to your word. And God, we pray that we would be a people that would give hope to the lost. That they would see, there would be people in Troshu even um, in the coming weeks and months that we could reach out to and share how good you are and how amazing you are. So God, I pray as you go, as we go today, that you go with us and you would challenge us and that we would, that your word would be on our lips, that we, you would help us to see you clearly in the everyday and the way you're working in the lives of people around us. We just commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go with God and his grace. Have a great week.